Welcome to the SOAR podcast. Thank you for your support. If you want to continue to support this podcast, there are a few things you can do for me. Please like, subscribe, and share. And if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, I would love it if you would give me a five-star rating. And if you really feel motivated, go ahead and write a review. So welcome to SOAR, the Sisters Overcoming and Rising podcast. I'm Dr. Stephanie, your host, and I'm here to help women overcome limiting beliefs so that they can live their best lives. Sisters, come together now, come together now. It's time to help each other out, help each other out. It's time for transformation, time for healing. You've got the potential, you've got the power now. Sisters, overcoming and rising. On this episode of the podcast, I am excited to be joined by my special guest, Sophia Casey, as we discuss the topic of her best-selling book, Fierce Vulnerability, A Colored Girl's Truth, Trials, and Triumphs. Sophia is passionate about lifelong learning, evidenced by her more than 25 years in the learning and education field and creation of the Ease and Flow Academy for Leaders. Sophia received her education at UCLA and Johns Hopkins and is a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. She's a featured voice on Amazon Alexa and has been featured in Success Magazine and interviewed on several radio programs, including Sirius XM, WHUR and WRNR. In 2017, Sophia faced a major crisis in her life that would forever change it. Her husband experienced a traumatic brain injury, which sent her family into a whirlwind of challenges. Sophia found solace through journaling and then created the Ease and Flow Journal with daily structure and prompts to help other people with the habit of journaling. Her vision is to travel the world speaking and sharing her leadership, ownership, and accountability program, launching her television show, and continuing to create products and services to help others fully embrace their power with ease and flow. Welcome to SOAR, Sophia. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful to be here, Dr. Stephanie, as I like to call you. <laughs> <laughs> and I am so glad to have you here to talk about the topic Fierce Vulnerability, A Colored Girl's Truths, Trials, and Triumphs, which is the title of your new Amazon bestseller. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Very, very (laughs) grateful and very excited about it. Yes, I can imagine. So inquiring minds want to know. So tell us all about the book and what led you to write it. Well, you know, I like to say that the book was given to me and downloaded to me, you know, by the most high because I I had no desires necessarily to be an author. I had created a journal uh, called the Ease and Flow Journal that did very well. I'm very proud to say that. But I had no plans to write a fiction book. But the story kept percolating in me and percolating in me. And so Fierce Vulnerability, A Color Girl's Truths, Trials and Triumphs is about four Black women, four affluent Black women on the D.C. political scene. Uh, very timely for right now, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Really, one of the characters is a politician, but it's it's a deep dive into the lives of these four women and 
taking a look at how they balance their fierceness with vulnerability. Are they willing to practice vulnerability or do they consistently lead with their fierceness, which a lot of us do? Absolutely. And it's such a timely topic. I was speaking to someone else the other day and they were talking about basically fierce vulnerability. And she was talking about it from the perspective of being an attorney and how people don't hire attorneys who are sensitive. They want the bulldog, the person who's going to win. Yes. Yeah. And she had to learn that that's not who she was and to just kind of lean into her vulnerability. So I think it's very great topic. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm really proud of the title. <laughs> I'm really proud of the title. And, and I say that was also given to me too. I just, you know, one day it just hit me like a ton of bricks, you know, when I started to think about how do I capture this sometimes cognitive dissonance that we find ourselves in as Black women and women of color in balancing, you know, having to to be tough as nails, having to mm-hmm. be, you know, strong all the time, having to, you know, take care of our families and deal with all of the obstacles that are put in front of us in terms of our career. How do we balance all of that and the need to protect ourselves with also the need, as you, as I say, the need to also connect more, show more of ourselves let our guard down. So the, when I started to think about that more and more, this title just came to me. And I, I, I love the title because it's also a reminder to me to continue to ask the question, Sophia, how do you balance the both of them? Are you balancing both of them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is a very powerful title. I know that you are a successful life coach who teaches other life coaches how to be successful and a world-renowned speaker So I was just curious as to what prompted you to write a fiction book instead of a self-help book or a memoir. You know, I, like I said before, there's like the story was given to me and, and I actually wrote this story several years ago and life happened. Um, Unfortunately, my husband suffered uh, a lot of major medical setbacks. And so I put it down, but I, I never, put it away, but I just put it down. And so I, I believe what drove me to write this fiction book is I couldn't put it down anymore. I couldn't stop thinking about the story. I was constantly curious about how my besties, uh, you know, who are all, you know, executive C-suite level women, how they were navigating life and balancing Mm -hmm. it all. And so there I was. (laughs) So when I looked up, then it was a fiction book. And, and I was really clear, I didn't want it to necessarily be an autobiography or a nonfiction book. And so it just naturally emerged. But yeah, I had no, no, (laughs) no hopes or plans to be a fiction writer. And now I'm feeling very comfortable in the space or more and more comfortable in the space. Yeah. So it sounds like it just came to you in that format. You didn't really choose it. It, it kind of chose you. <laughs> it totally chose me. It totally yeah. chose me. And, uh, and I'm glad that it did because I feel like it's such a, a relevant conversation and such a conversation that, you know, sister girls are having amongst themselves 
but not necessarily on a bigger platform. And that's what I consistently hear from women of color, like, thank you for writing this book. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And then I also hear from them. I'm mad at you because you left me hanging. I want it more. I want it more, (laughs) which is okay. Cause I actually have a part two coming soon, but yes, they, they kept having these conversations maybe amongst just their sister girlfriends, but, but not necessarily having the conversation in the bigger community. Right. Right. And that happens often that in our small groups, we may feel comfortable enough to have the conversations, but then where does it go from there? How do we, you know, get it to a bigger platform. So thank you for writing this book, which allows us to be able to do that. And I know you talked about it. (laughs) I know you talked about it a little bit in terms of you asking yourself the questions. Um, But what does fierce vulnerability mean to you in the, in the broader sense for, for all of us as black women? And why do you feel like that's important for colored girls specifically? Well, you know, for me, it means that, yes, I I feel like, you know, fierceness is is a part of our DNA, Mm -hmm. (laughs) our DNA as as women with black girl magic. And that fierceness has certainly supported us. I know it supports you. It supported me. It has supported women, black women forever. And we... (laughs) had to actually be fierce, right? To navigate Mm -hmm. all of the degradation and all of the slavery and all of the ills that were imposed upon us as a people. And so I feel like, yes, we naturally are fierce. And then because of the, the plight of the last 400 years, we had to bring even more fierceness. And sometimes what I think you know, when I think about fierce vulnerability, I think about it in terms of me and my mother. I was raised in a, a matriarchal uh, family, but I think about my mom, my aunts, my grandmother, and how their fierceness became, became a shield to mm. keep hurt and pain away from them. Mm-hmm. And I think over time, what's happened is that we've gotten so accustomed to having to have that shield and that guard up all the time. Like when we're on our jobs and we're overlooked for positions, like there's that shield has to go up again. I'm not going to be hurt like that again. I'm not going to be overlooked like that again. And then also on the flip side, then people have actually made that shield to be a bad thing by saying that we have, you know, angry black woman syndrome, you know, mm-hmm. and that we're all, all angry. And we know that's a lie. <laughs> we're all angry. Mm-hmm. And so for me, fierce vulnerability is taking all of that and having that be a positive thing, the fierce side of us be a positive thing. And at the same time, being willing to put the shield down and say to my sister, I'm hurting or say to my brother, I really need support mm-hmm. or say to, you know, myself, I'm scared. I don't know how to navigate this. Or I'm angry because of the things that I see happening day in and day out to our people. Mm-hmm. Just being willing to say that and have conversations around that to me is 
balancing fierce vulnerability. Mm. Right. That's a beautiful explanation. I love how you took it from the historical perspective up to the present. And they, they are definitely needs to be a balance between the two because just being fierce all the time will, will have negative consequences on your physical health, your mental health, as well as other things. So thank you for that explanation. And I love how you get this point across and, you know, in, in your book, you have these successful black women who are movers and shakers. I know I can relate to them and many of my listeners as well. But showing that being successful or wealthy does not absolve you of the work that we all need to do internally and that we all still struggle with self-worth issues and those issues that are underneath the shield. Um, I'm curious, can you choose one of your characters in the book and share a message that speaks to this that we could all stand to hear just from the voice of one of your characters? Oh, yes. Well, I, I, I could choose any of them because... Every one of them has their own journey around fierce vulnerability. But the one that comes to mind right away is the character Ava. Ava, Ava's a badass. (laughs) (laughs) Ava is a badass. And Ava is uh, very successful and and has been for a long time. And she is actually uh, running for a political office. How interesting, right? I promise you, I wrote <laughs> years ago, years ago, but uh, she is running for a political office. And so, like I said, very powerful in terms of her career and everything, very self-assured, very confident, um, a leader in her own right. And at the same time, behind the scenes, she experiences so much insecurity and self-doubt and imposter syndrome in many ways, but one specific way related to relationships Mm -hmm. and her worthiness of having somebody who loves her just as she is. So the, the book shares how, just how she, you know, ebbs and flows in that world and back and forth of, okay, let me practice true connection and authentic connection. Let me practice um, stepping inside of being confident about who I am as a potential partner and lover uh, Mm -hmm. for this man. So it goes from that and then back to, no, I've been hurt. Um, I've been scorned. (laughs) So I'm going to put that wall back up and I'm going to put all of that pain and that, that hurt of those past experiences and those past relationships, I'm going to put all of that into driving any even more around my career. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that is really interesting because I definitely can picture several people in that scenario. And and it's interesting because a lot of the times the things that they don't want to be vulnerable to are some of the traits that make them so successful in their careers, right? Being able to be that bulldog and just be, um, just push, push, push. Yeah. And it can make them successful in their career, but not um, successful in their personal life. So that's a great example. Yes, I can certainly relate to it myself. Absolutely. 
Now, on this show, I talk a lot about limiting beliefs. Uh, which one of your characters struggles the most with limiting beliefs and how is she able to overcome them either by the end of the book or is in the process of overcoming them? Okay, yeah, I'll talk about the process of overcoming them because I will say that right there is what drove me to start writing part two. And so this is actually a four-part series. And so I started writing part two because in this first book, Fierce Vulnerability, the women are, are really, you're getting to know them and they're just starting to take a look at that thing over there called vulnerability. And so when it comes to imposter syndrome and, and self-doubt, I would say the character Simone really captures that in her story or her um, depiction of her story. And Simone, I mean, Simone is, is, is fabulous. They all are, but Simone is fabulous, very accomplished as well. And at the same time, the way that she shows in her sister girl friendship and relationship is feeling like she doesn't measure up to them. Oh. And how many, how many women can relate to that? You know, yeah. always comparing ourselves with our sisters and comparing ourselves with other women. And when, you know, our journeys are completely different. So mm -hmm. Simone, I would say definitely um, shines a light on that conversation of the struggles and the challenges around doing that and always striving, always striving, always striving to be the best, the best, the best, which is totally fine. Like I say, it's okay. I'm always striving to be the best. It's okay. But at the same time, it's at what cost? Mm -hmm. Now, that is, is definitely real. I've definitely experienced that myself. And, and it's tough because on the one hand, you are so excited and so proud of your sister friend. And on the other hand, you just feel less than like you, you can never measure up. And so you have these competing emotions. And it's, again, that cognitive dissonance in this conflict so I'm curious yeah. how, how is Simone in the process of overcoming this? Because I think, you know, we all could use some pointers. <laughs> well, you know, part of it is that, you know, her sister friends, they are actually supportive of her, you know, in this story. Well, I should say most of them are supportive of her. So how does she overcome it? It is a fluid journey. So I don't believe in this part of the series, she doesn't necessarily overcome it, but she certainly gets and gains more bandwidth for receiving and accepting herself as okay. Mm. So, and one way, like I said, is that, you know, her, her, her girlfriends, her girlfriends support her around that for sure. And in terms of her career, she's already confident there. You know, mm -hmm. so it is, it is a journey, you know, what I, I'm trying not to give away too much, but it is a journey of watching her navigate all of that and what speaks to her in a way that she starts to embrace her self-confidence as real. Mm -hmm. Okay. Not something that she wakes up in the morning and she puts on, but it really is a part of her. It's ingrained in her. And so the, the book shows her walking along that journey. I'll say it mm -hmm. that way. No, that is exciting. And I'm sure that's making just your explanation and your teaser is making 
many people want to just go <laughs> and pick up the book and start reading because I am definitely curious to find out and not just in this part, but in part two, three, and four, how this evolves because mm. it's, it's very close to home. Yeah. Um, and I love how you talk about the role of friendship and sisterhood as an integral part in each character's healing without giving away too much of the book. You talked about Simone, how else does sisterhood, and this can be like an overarching theme, play a role in, in the characters claiming their freedom and power? Oh my goodness. You know, it's so interesting to watch these characters navigate life individually. So, so this book really gives you a, a picture of their individual lives. But what mm-hmm. I love about this story, and I'm not just saying it because I wrote it, <laughs> but I love about this story is that it also shines a light on their connection, their connection as a group, their connection as friends, and how on one hand, that connection is superficial in many ways. I don't necessarily think it's, it's like from a deliberate place, but mm-hmm. it's from a place of protection. Like, I'm only going to let you in, sister girl. I'm only going to let you come close to me just so far. I'm only going right. to let you in so much. But what happens is by them being together and connecting with each other and, and practicing you know, just a bit, taking, you know, a big toe and putting, putting it in that pool called vulnerability, their sisterhood actually gets stronger and they start to, their relationship starts to evolve in a way that it becomes deeper and deeper and in it becoming deeper, they're practicing more and more vulnerability and in them doing that, they actually get supported around their individual challenges. And that's the piece that I'm so fascinated with around sisterhood and, and, and black woman sisterhood is that we spend a lot of time keeping ourselves away from going deep with each other. You know, you Mm -hmm. see out there on social media, everybody's winning. Everybody's winning. And Lord knows I'm winning on social media. Everybody's winning. And what that I've seen, what that's done is it's made people feel less and less and less safe to share vulnerably and share their true challenges and their questions about life and their pains and their setbacks because everybody's winning Mm -hmm. and sisterhood, ah, true, deep, deeply connected sisterhood. I feel is such an integral support of us learning more about each other, but also learning more about ourselves if we're willing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is so true. Uh, Social media has a way of presenting, allowing everyone to present themselves in their, in their best light. And it's like, you're seeing only one half, you know, of, of a person. And, and it can be, it can be difficult to get to that part, point of being vulnerable. And I think that happens in a lot of relationships, even in, you know, intimate partnerships. A lot of times people 
are afraid to be truly vulnerable and take take those layers off. Mm. So, so I think at learning to do it with our sister friends and realizing that we're accepted can also help us be able to be able to do it in our intimate partner relationships and in our relationships with our family that sometimes we're not vulnerable. I think it can have a cascade effect that can just be very healing all around. Yes. Yes. And more. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, you know, I just continue to have these conversations with myself, but also with my sisters as well. My literally my biological sister and mm -hmm. also with my, my sister girls, as I love to call us. And I'm, I've just been fascinated by the conversations that are naturally emerging around this book and, you know, sister girls everywhere getting together and having conversations around this book. I'm actually, you know, I'm so inspired by all that's happening around this book. I'm also going to launch a book club at the Wonderful. beginning of the year. Yeah. I'm really excited about that. And that came from just women, you know, reading this book and saying, we, we got to talk about this more, Sophia, we got to talk about this more. So I'm looking forward to, to having that book club launch and to having even more of these conversations. I absolutely love that idea because as, as soon as I, you know, got into the book, that's what came to mind. You know, I have yeah. groups of friends and we read books together and I'm like, oh, this would be great for a book club. This would be <laughs> great for our book. So I love the fact that you're launching it because then it goes like we talked about earlier. Sometimes we have these conversations in our small groups, but by you launching a book club, it goes beyond just our individual small groups and takes mm. it to a larger platform. So that's yeah. very exciting. Yes, I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> I really am looking forward to it. Absolutely. I'm sure we have some aspiring artists out there hmm. and writers and authors who would love to hear a little bit about your process. Can you just explain the process you went through to write this book from idea sure. to publishing? Yes. And I will say, you know, my first book, I actually self-published. I didn't know anything about the publishing process at all. I hired a graphics artist to create my book cover and all that good stuff. And the layout of that first book, my ease and flow journal and, and support me around getting it self-published. And I'm so grateful that that all worked out very well because I hear that it doesn't always. So I had a lot of success there. But at the same time, I was like, well, I want more support. You know, what is your relationship mm -hmm. to support? I don't know. That just hit me. I wanted <laughs> more support. I didn't want to have to do it, you know, by myself and on my own. And also, I'm not a publisher. And I so I wanted some subject matter expert support. And so what I did is I wrote the book then start doing some of the editing on my own. I'm like, wait a minute, this is not my lane. <laughs> it's, not, it's not my strength. And, it's, and, and most importantly, I don't like to do it. So mm -hmm. I actually started working with the publisher, Tandem Light Press. Shout out to Tandem Light Press. Started working mm -hmm. with them. And I now understand the difference between self-publishing and publishing and what some of the benefits are. And there could be some challenges too, but I say the uh, some of the benefits are that you have a subject matter expert who knows the process, who knows how this works. Mm -hmm. Also a part of the process of working with them is connected to, they connected me with their marketing expert. Mm -hmm. 
And that has been a wonderful support because that marketing expert was able to give me ideas. We were, had um, a couple of brainstorming sessions where we just talked about best ways and best practices to get the word out and to connect with the demographic that I really wanted to connect with. And so that, that's been a really great support. At the same time, you know, I will say I leveraged what I already had. Like, you know, I didn't reinvent the wheel. I, I was already pretty visible on social media and had been practicing vulnerability for lots of years in, in terms of my connection with people and mm-hmm. doing my best each and every day to authentically connect with my audience. And so when I shared that the book was on pre-order, that audience, you know, they, they rose up to support me and I, I, forever grateful and was in so much shock. Hmm. And that really led to it being the number one new release in dramas and plays on Amazon, literally overnight. Yeah. Wow. That is exciting. That's very (laughs) inspiring. Very inspiring. Yeah. So I say get a publisher, (laughs) get a publisher, leverage the visibility and the connections that you already have and have those work together. Yeah. And it sounds like having this be your second book, you were able to kind of learn from the process you went through with the first book and take the things that you learned as well as the things that went well and take that to the next level. Yes, absolutely. There were lots of lessons learned from that first process. But you know, one of the, the biggest surprises to me through this journey of, of sharing fierce vulnerability is Now we find ourselves in a pandemic. And so, you know, when I first said, okay, I'm going to started working with the publisher and said, okay, you know, this is, I'm requesting that this be the release date, started working through the timeline. You know, it hit me one day. I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) One of the things that contributed to the success of my first book, the ease and flow journal was because I was able to go into bookstores and have book signings and connect with people. Right. right. I'm a big time extrovert. So I I felt very comfortable in that space of connecting with people. And I was like, oh my goodness, well, how am I going to do that? You know, with social distancing and you, you know, some bookstores aren't even open and God laid it on my heart. You still go do the same thing. You're just going to do it virtually. And I'm like, wow. And I've been doing a lot of corporate training virtually. So I was comfortable in that space, but it still didn't connect. Like how can I truly authentically connect with people through a virtual platform to have them connect with this book? And I'm so happy and so grateful to be able to say it is working and it's working much more effectively than I would have imagined. So people are looking forward to me coming on, on Zoom and on social media and sharing about this book. So what I've been doing, I launched the Fierce Vulnerability Summit, which is a, a monthly panel of subject matter experts discussing a specific topic related to uh, Black women, women of color, women. Um, okay. And, and their balancing of fierce vulnerability. So this upcoming book tour stop, as I'm calling it, we're focusing on Black women and sexuality. 
Okay. I'm really excited about that. Yes. And then we move on to another topic around sisterhood and then the following month or at the beginning of the year, then we move on to a topic around shattering glass ceilings in corporate America. And then we move on to relationship. How do you practice fierce vulnerability in your, your romantic life? And so I'm just excited because the audience, they're giving me the topic. So I'm loving it. I'm just loving this process. Wow, that is very exciting. And it sounds like it continues to grow, but it just taking yes. on a life of its own. Yes, That's- absolutely. And, and you know, the, the publisher said, the a marketing person, uh, shout out to Lee, said that she's like, Sophia, this is more than a book. This is a movement. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, it does feel like that, doesn't it? And, um, and, and other people have said that to me too. It's like, wow, this is so much more than just a story. Absolutely. Sounds like a movement. In in addition to being an author, you wear many hats and you have a very compelling life story, which you shared a little bit. And you already mentioned that you show up authentically and you show your vulnerability, you know, for years now. So just share a little bit about how you do that. How do you show, just to give a real life example of how you show your own vulnerability and how that continues to play a role in your success? Well, you know, you know, I, I do my best to practice it every day. And, you know, I'm no different than uh, any other woman in that I get confronted and I'm like, nope, uh-uh, no, forget that vulnerability stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm going back over here and put, putting up my wall and I need y'all to leave me alone. So certainly, you know, I go back and forth and back and forth, but, um, you know, thank goodness for the support of therapists and coaches and my pastor that really encourage me to continue to, to practice vulnerability all the time. And one specific example is a few years ago, my husband suffered um, major, major medical setbacks and has a, uh, a brain tumor and uh, suffered from traumatic brain injury related to oh. strokes and seizures. And just, it was a tumultuous time. And we still are challenged in many, many ways around this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when all of that happened, you know, what came on my heart is that you have two choices. You can, you know, grind through this process and, and it could be hard and all that. It was already hard, right? Yeah. So see, see my husband, my loved one, you know, my best friend, go through all of this. But then what came to me is that you also have another choice too. Like you can't change any of that, but you do have control on how you navigate and walk through it. So it was truly a a testament of vulnerability in my willingness to share with people what I was going through and Mm -hmm. to reach out to my friends and, and colleagues and, and resources, you know, other resources to support me in navigating all of this, as opposed to what I probably would have done many years prior, which is, you know, go into my cocoon and shut everybody out, shut the world out and just struggle through it by myself. Mm-hmm. And, and I will say, you know, along this journey, it's been really tough, really, really tough. And it still is in so many ways. But along this journey, I certainly had many things happen to make me want to go back in my shell and say, you know, 
I, I got to do this all by myself, you know, like having experiencing betrayal, having friends leave and, and show up or say they're going to show up and then don't having people try and sabotage. I mean, just yeah. so much has happened over these past few years that certainly it would have been understandable for me to say, screw the world. <laughs> I'm just going to have to trudge through this myself, you know, and, and just be all by myself in this pain and this trauma. And I'm so grateful to God that he put on my heart that you actually have a choice. You can do that, but you don't have to. And so I practiced a lot of vulnerability by reaching out for support, but also by taking care of myself and prioritizing my self-care to the point where I got a lot of backlash about it. You know, yeah. I had someone say to me, Sophia, you're not the picture of um, a grieving wife. <laughs> said, whoa. Whoa, is right. I was like, well, well, what the heck does that look like? What what am I supposed to do? And what how am I supposed to look? And how am I supposed to live? And, and I actually had, you know, more than one person say that to me. And I said, you know, that's so interesting that it would be more acceptable for me to literally sabotage myself and, and not okay. take care of myself and not get the support that I need. That would be more acceptable than me asking for support and getting a lot of support and being willing to be vulnerable and lay out in the middle of the floor and have people calling me and texting me. And, and, and I say, no, not today, not mm -hmm. today, you know, have me, you know, get up to pick myself up, um, take myself to a spa and just stay there and be there. Like that was not the picture of a grieving wife, mm. somebody who takes care of herself. Yeah. And it, you know, it, and there are many ways that I didn't, and I, I'm still suffering from that, but right. I, I had to prioritize me. Cause I said, if I don't prioritize me, how am I going to have the bandwidth, the energy to actually support him and to support our son? Mm -hmm. So yeah. I'm just, it's just an interesting conversation. That, that is very interesting. And unfortunately, it's not shocking because yeah. there's there's been so much conditioning around not, you know, if somebody else in your life needs something, then you're supposed to take your whole self and just sacrifice. Like you're supposed to lay on the altar and sacrifice yes. yourself. And, and we know that that does not turn out well. And I think as Black women, we've seen that over and over that then you have nothing left mm -hmm. and you're not able to sustain that. And ultimately you're not able to take care of those who you uh, love and want to take care of. So kudos to you for your courage. I know you're still walking mm. in it. Yes, <laughs> it, it does. It takes a lot of courage and vulnerability to go against the grain and mm -hmm. do what you know needs to be done. And Absolutely. I know when we spoke before, one of the things that you said is that every day when you come up against these situations of vulnerability, these opportunities, you ask yourself, am I willing? And I mm -hmm. thought that that was so powerful just to have that phrase in mind 
and just to ask yourself, am I willing? And some days the answer might be no, but on the days that it <laughs> is, yes, <laughs> it sounds like it, it really can turn out very powerfully. Yes. And, and, and there, you know, there are days where I say, no, not right now. And in this moment, I'm not willing. I'm not willing to, you know, to show myself and my rawness and my pain. And, you know, the, the test for me and the question always for me is certainly, okay, Sophia, are you willing? Are you willing to keep asking myself that? But also the criteria for me is not to stay in that unwilling place for too long uh -huh. because it would be to my detriment, you know, and at the same time, prioritizing my mental health and my self care by continuing to ask myself, okay, Sophia, are you willing now? Are you willing to be vulnerable right now so that you can be supported? And I'm grateful to be able to say most times more than not, the answer is yes. Yes. I'm willing. I'm willing. I'm willing. And, and, and it's a forever, it's a forever process. That's how I see it. You know, honoring our mental health because of all that my family has experienced and all of, all of this trauma, you know, I suffer from PTSD and have had bouts of deep depression. And, you know, that's another thing is like, <laughs> are we willing to even say that? Mm -hmm. And so many of us, especially in our community, it's like, no, we don't, we don't want to talk about that. I, you know, I have an older brother who has a mental illness. He has schizophrenia. And I remember growing up, it was, it was never talked about. It was like, oh, that's just him. You know, it's a little quirkiness, but that's just him. Mm -hmm. Not that I wanted some, you know, negative label to be placed on him, but because we were not willing to confront what it actually was, he went years and years and years without getting the mental health support that he needed. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, you know, I, my prayer all the time for our people is that, that we'll at least ask ourselves, you know, am I willing, am I willing mm -hmm. to, to just reach out to one person? If, if, if that's all I can do, just reach out to one person and say, you know, I'm hurting mm -hmm. and, or I'm scared or, I need the support. Yeah, that, that's a great, a great reminder to just leave with everyone to just ask that question to yourself. And yeah, start small, start with one person. And then you'll see that you get to make that choice over and over and that the amount of people who are willing to help you and support you will grow. Now, one as part of your title, uh, triumphs is also in there. So I did not want to leave this discussion about the yes. book without talking about <laughs> triumph. So can you share your favorite excerpt from the book or um, story that deals with triumph? Oh my gosh, there's so many. Let's see. <laughs> Let's see. Give me just a moment. Well, I won't, I won't necessarily read directly from the book, but I will say for me, the greatest triumph in this book is that these women are allowing us to be voyeurs of their lives 
and see them navigate their lives, mm-hmm. see them actually triumph, like, you know, Ava around her, her political aspirations and Vanessa around her relationship to herself and also her relationship to her husband as well. And, and watching Simone, as I talked about before, and also Jean-Marie being a, a healthcare practitioner and embracing her woo-woo. Like, I feel like there are so many glimpses into how they triumphed in this story that there's not one particular thing. But I, I would love to read a little bit of it if, if you'll... Yes, that would be awesome. Yeah, so I won't necessarily pick a a triumph, but I would love to read a little bit of it, just a bit. Jean-Marie, it's no surprise to see her take total command of this room. Most virgins to the game would be scared out of their minds on a night like this, but not the formidable Ava Whitman. We're all here to celebrate her candidacy for mayor. This grandiose hall full of dignitaries and political bigwigs from all over D.C. struggles to contain her. She may be new to this scene, but she's damn sure done her homework. What she may lack in experience, she sure makes up for with ambition and sheer magnetism. I mean, damn, I give credit where credit's due. The woman practically oozes sex, power, and confidence. Tonight, she seems to glide as the silk fabric of her Armani suit brushes across her revealed thigh, giving just a glimpse of her soft mocha skin. Her thick, naturally wavy hair is sleekly drawn back to the nape of her neck in a bun perfectly showing her single-strand pearls. She has a no-nonsense look as the venue lights highlight her cheekbones. Her voice is both honey and fire as she claims her place in the mayoral race during her speech. Miss Ava is bringing all the boys to the yard. (laughs) Poor babies. (laughs) Poor babies. If they only had a clue as to who they were dealing with. Woohoo! Oh, that was awesome. Do I hear an audio book coming? Yes, you do. You definitely hear an audio book coming. I literally just, I get, I know this is my book, but I get goosebumps every time I read this book. Uh, my arms are covered right now in goosebumps. So yes, we the ebook has just been released. So the ebook is available there. And even that, seeing my book as I scroll through my Kindle and there it is, it's really a, a, a wonderful feeling. But the audio book is coming. And so we're pushing, pushing, pushing. I'm pushing the publisher. The publisher is pushing me to get it out within the next couple of months and so yes an audio book is coming which is my favorite way actually sometimes to listen to books me too that is absolutely my favorite way to listen to books (laughs) and hearing it in the author's voice just does something just like (laughs) uh, I think I have goosebumps too hearing you read that excerpt so that was awesome thank you oh Now, as we, you know, just conclude this conversation and this time together, is there anything else that you would like to share about fierce vulnerability? I I just want to share. Thank you. Thank you to each and every one of you that purchased the book. And now you're purchasing the ebook, you know, to have it stay in Amazon's top 100. Like it just, it blows my mind. It blows Mm -hmm. my mind. But I say that is the power of sisterhood. That is the power of sisterhood. And my prayer is that 
you know, every single person, and I, I have men and women reading this book, which is awesome, but every single person enjoy this book. And equally importantly is that they get the opportunity to ask themselves, what if, what if, what would be possible if I'm willing to practice fierce vulnerability? I'm so oh, grateful. So grateful. Yeah. And now the most important question, where can we get the book? How can we join the book club? How can we join the, the summit? How can we just be a part of all of the fabulous things that you're doing? Yeah. So, so the easiest way is to stay connected with me or get connected with me on social media. And I am coach Sophia Casey, just about everywhere. But also my website is sophiacasey.net. And on my website, I will consistently share with you around the tour and all the tour stop dates. The next tour stop date is November. We have November 18th and then we have December 9th. And then we go into the new year with even more topics. So sophiacasey.net and connecting with me on social media are the best avenues to stay abreast of the tour dates. Oh, thank you so much, Sophia. I know that you are extremely busy and I so appreciate <laughs> you taking the time out to have this conversation with me and sharing so with grateful. all my listeners. I am so grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Stephanie. This has been awesome. Thank you for listening to this episode of SOAR. If you'd like to reach me for coaching, you can reach me at www.stephaniebrowncoaching.com. And if you want to follow SOAR, you can follow Sisters Overcoming and Rising on Instagram or Stephanie Brown Coaching on Facebook. Goodbye for now.